0: Hey everyone! This is Chris and Sandy Bent with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry, and today, like I say on every episode, we got a great one for you. Who do we have?
1: We have Laura Bell Bundy. She is an actress, recording artist, songwriter, director, and producer. She was the original Elle Woods in Legally Blonde on Broadway, and she is also a podcast host of Women of Tomorrow. And we're so excited to have her here today.
2: So
0: welcome to the show.
1: Yes, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: You know, I always like to start out the same way right now, because, you know, within the entertainment world, everything's been shut down until mm-hmm. now. Um, how did you handle COVID? You know, how's that process been through the year?
3: Well, yeah, I think it's hard because as artistic people, um, <laughs> you know, artistic people use their work as a coping mechanism and uh, and as a way to have self-expression. And when you don't have a stage to perform on or a character to play, sometimes a lot of those feelings and emotions get bottled up. And as you guys have probably experienced, um, you know, this last year of the pandemic has almost put all of our emotions in pressure. Um, everything feels a quite a bit more intense and then as an artist not having that those normal ways to cope with that has been difficult so but i have been putting out an album this year i have been able to write some music and so i just had an album come out on may 7th called women of tomorrow and women of tomorrow the podcast is a companion piece to the album and so I think that, the, that that's been really good for me to be able to stay focused on those things because I was still yeah. able to release music. I'm still able to do a podcast um, because I can do it all virtually. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Um, yes, But I have missed the human connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I've missed performing on a stage and the energy of that. I've missed being on a set. I've missed that. I get energy from that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't necessarily think you get the same kind of energy yeah. and feeling from looking at a computer. It's kind of draining. you know. <laughs> right,
2: right.
0: Definitely not. Yeah, you know, for us, that. you know, of course, we all had different emotions um, through COVID and all that. But we launched a show January of 2020. So a few months before COVID yeah, happened. Yeah, a couple months before. And our original plan was 100 interviews our first year. We thought if we could do that, it'd yeah. be a great first year Foundation. of the show. And then COVID happens and I'm sitting there watching everything get shut down. And I'm like, you know, a lot of bigger people from artists and actors and all that, they're going to need a place to talk and they might actually be willing to come on a brand new show.
3: Right. <laughs> and, exactly.
0: And because of that, we've reached out to all kinds of people last year and we did over 300 interviews last year. We're over 400 now.
3: So you met your goal and you surpassed your goal. That's amazing.
0: So, it's, it, and so our goal this year is kind of 300. Yeah, last year. Match we, we, we've year. got a pattern that we like. We're yeah. about one a day, five to six days a week we do.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but again, it, it's been one of them things where, you know, we look at everything around us and and we have to find that silver lining um, with, mm. with the pandemic. We had to. And the, our show is definitely that for us.
3: Yeah, that's that's
0: awesome. Now, you've been in basically showbiz all your life. I read your bio (laughs) and even from the the Phil Donahue show to now all your life. Um, When did you when did it click that this showbiz could be a career move for you? Because a lot of people would ask, when did you know you wanted to be in showbiz? But I, I like to know when it clicked where, oh, this could be my career.
3: Yeah. It's interesting. Like when you're a child Mm -hmm. and you don't really make all the decisions for yourself. Right. You know, my mom was, you know, put me in a pageant and I just happened to do win it. Um, (laughs) And then we have to get asked to go to the Phil Donahue show. And it was a free trip to New York. And we're like, hell yeah. You know, we are from Kentucky. We want a free trip to New York city. Um, And then it all just kind of snowballed from there. So I think it was this sort of um, I felt like I was just along for this interesting journey. You know, I showed up at this. I I showed up for the pageant and I did what I needed to do. I showed up for the Phil who did what I needed to do. then I got this modeling agency and Ford modeling agency. um, And I started going and doing jobs. And but I will say this now that I think about it, when it. Really started to click for me. I was nine years old and oh, I got cast uh, in Radio City Music Hall's Christmas Spectacular.
2: Oh, well. uh-huh. yeah.
3: And I did that show and I had so much fun.
2: Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was
3: when I was like, this is the most fun ever. I want a career where I just get to play.
2: And that's what,
3: that's what acting is, or doing music. It's like we we do you plays, play. we yeah. play music, we play. They call it play. It's playing. And you're just playing as a professional, and you're highly skilled, and you have technique to be able to play better. And so the, as a young child, that was it. But I always, in the back of my mind, thought, you know what? I'm going to go to high school and go to college. I might be a doctor. Maybe I'll be a mm-hmm. lawyer. Maybe I'll do real estate. I was like, I don't know. And then... <laughs> I I was uh, going to school, uh, I had applied to go to NYU, I had gotten accepted, and I was going to go to school for not acting and not music, I was wow. going to go, I ended up going for sociology and psychology, because my father said I needed to have something to fall back on, I also love sociology and psychology, so um, the study and of human behavior is- Yes, they do. The study of human behavior and my interest in human behavior has done everything to benefit me uh, as <laughs> as an actor and a songwriter for sure because I have I have an innate sense of human behavior. And um, but I'm going to this and I ended up getting this job on a soap opera on Guiding Light.
2: Wow. Wow.
3: And I <laughs> I stopped going to college to do it. And I <laughs> think, well, there you go. That's when I was like, wait why am I going to go to college for this when I'm 18 years old and I'm making money doing Mm. the thing that I really love and enjoy doing. And I, I, I still think that, uh, you know, I I went back to college while I was doing other things as an actor. Um, and I think that, you know, life is long enough that you don't have to have one career I think we can reinvent ourselves all the time. We can have great Mm -hmm. ideas and we can pursue those ideas and we can, we can start out with the first thing we do in life. That's the beginning of the foundation. And then we learn new things and we add on that and we add on that and we add on that. And, and then, you know, we retire and start something new. I think, you know, we, we want to be, we as human beings want to be constantly investigating and expanding,
2: yep. and yeah.
3: and learning, and that's what life is about. So, you know, I'm. That's why you see it. As I started out as an actor, and then I was singer songwriter, <laughs> and then I'm a director, and then I was, you know, and it just <laughs> keeps adding on because I'm learning new things and I'm interested in new things.
0: And I like what you said earlier. You went back to college later because I think sometimes people miss the point with creatives. You know, yeah. when you're in a momentum phase of your life, whether it's an artist, an actor, if you, people don't understand if you pull away from that and go to college, you may never get that opportunity again. I've seen it where people were like in that momentum. They're like, you know what? i got to have college and they never got that momentum back, but you got to, cause you got to, as you know, you got to milk that momentum while it's there.
3: Right. I think You know, I kind of think I've experienced what's called tailwind and Uh, headwind. (laughs) And when you have a tailwind, you need to go.
2: Mm -hmm. That's
3: when you need to pursue the passion. You've got the doors opening, things are happening, Mm -hmm. you're being Mm -hmm. pushed. There are times where you feel like the doors are slamming in your face and you've got a headwind. And that's a time you need to allow yourself to pause there's something to learn here. Maybe Uh, this is just, I don't need to be hustling right now. This is a great time to go back to college (laughs) because I have a, I have a headwind and it's harder. It's taking more energy and more effort. And then there are just times in life where you have a tailwind and nothing can stop you. And so I, I, I think there's something to that when the doors open, walk through them. Yep. Yeah. And that's kind of feel like what I've done a little bit in my career. And there's sometimes where I've not felt like I had to knock the doors down. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time things worked for me where the doors either were open or they were not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
0: you know, yeah. speaking of that perfect lead into the next segment, as you know, as you know, a lot of people, they see the glory of a Blake Shelton, of a Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, but they don't see the grime, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles that it takes not just to get to their level, but even a career level within entertainment. And we always want to talk about that side of it because nobody really does. They kind of gloss over it. Right. They want to do the highlight show, but they forget the, the backstory. <laughs> and I like the backstory side because, again, it shows the, the realness of the guests. So let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the sacrifices through the years, especially as a when you were young you know, the sacrifices you had to make that your normal teenager didn't have to make just, you know?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think I can go back further. Yeah. You know, first time my mom and I ever went to New York city, we had a thousand dollars to get through the summer.
2: Wow. It was
3: 1987. And I guess a thousand dollars could get you further, but it doesn't get you that far in New York city.
1: Yeah. Right. Yes.
3: And New York city was different. It was real, real grimy. Um, Uh I mean, porn theaters everywhere. I mean, it was, it was, it was like gross. Now it's like a Disneyland, (laughs) but then it was just, and it was kind of, it could be a fairly terrifying place. I think about my mom who was like in her early 30s with a six-year-old daughter she was taking around we look i look like ellie may clampett you know we she looked (laughs) mother looked like dolly parton meets Farrah Faucet, and we're in <laughs> New York city. We're walking down the street and we have no money and we can't even afford to eat at a restaurant because we're trying to pinch our pennies and it was hot dogs wow. off the street or whatever we could get. And mm-hmm. we got to New York and we stayed at this hotel called the Milburn hotel where the, the, um, I think we actually did have a bathroom in our room, but yeah. so, you know, oh, sometimes you had to go out in the hallway and use the bathroom. It was like, oh, a, wow. it was like a hostel. Oh, wow. And she looked in the, in the newspaper to see if there were any sublets available. And she called this woman and she said, the woman, it was a thousand dollars a month. And we were going to be there for like two and a half months. And, um, and my mom, um, she called the woman. She's a Russian lady, and she's like, "Hello, this is Tatiana." My mom said, "Hi, I'm I'm Lorna. My daughter's a, a model. We're here for the summer, and um, we only have a thousand dollars to pay. when you, you take it?" Wow! And the woman was like, "Okay, come to my place. I'll meet you. I want to meet you first. You sound like a nice lady. Maybe there's oh. something I can do for you." So my and this was after my mom. Had, made calls and calls and everybody said so we go over we meet this lady she's very nice and she makes this deal with my mom and she's like listen if you if you'll i have some time i have to be back in the city if i can stay at my place uh that would be great and then i let you stay for cheap and so and for cheap was all the money we had so she let us stay there now here's the thing tatiana would never let it when she was coming to stay at the apartment so uh-huh. we would be like we'd wake up in the morning and open the coat closet. She was lying down on the mattress and she'd slept there the night before. <laughs> I mean, there was some crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Like I, at one point, my mom and now this is a this is crazy, crazy. She she was doing like uh, making the bed, and she lifted up the mm-hmm. mattress from the box spring and found yeah. a ton of condom <laughs> to wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> now, not condoms, but condom wrappers. Sure. So we were like, what? But this is, I have to tell you no. this, because when you come, when when my, my innocent mother from Kentucky is coming to New York and staying at a Russian lady's apartment who shows up whenever she wants and sleeps in the closet, and she's <laughs> and we're finding all these things, it was an education. Then the next year, the next summer, we play we We stayed in what we called the rat hole. No, I'm sorry. The roach hole that was on 91st and 1st. And there were roaches everywhere. We had roommates. And they were from Kentucky too. And we stayed with Kitty and Meredith, who were friends to, to this day. And Meredith was about three or four, she was four years old and I was seven. And we slept in this like loft thing. And it was the smallest, teeny tiniest apartment you could possibly imagine. It was four four flights to walk up. We had strollers, we had things. My parents were insane doing this. And my mom was lying on a little twin cot bed. And Kitty was lying on a cot bed in the living room. They had bicycles hanging above them. And one night, Kitty woke up in the middle of the night screaming because my mom had a roach crawling across her face. But I say this because these were the only places we could afford to live in. Yeah, right. Yes. You know, like you make sacrifices when you're doing this. And I mean, I have more stories for you that I could go on and on about and being a child in New Because
0: York. you know, a lot of people think people are lucky who make it yeah. to the top in entertainment, and I haven't found anybody. Unless they've had actor parents already, you know,
2: that right. were really
0: lucky. Because, again, everybody has a story and yes. crazy stories that led them to finally before they made it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, and you know what? You have to have it because part of the reason I think that the people who do make it is, that you know, resilience is not something you can teach. Resilience is something that people have to learn from experience. And yeah, so true. we yeah. learned how to have resilience. And I saw my mom have that fight in her. And back in the day, there was pay phones. There weren't even beepers. There, mm. there weren't right. cell phones. And so when you were a working actor as a child, you had to call your agent every day on the phone wow. and sometimes mm-hmm. two, three times a day and say hey are there any auditions are there any jobs any blah 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 yeah. and they would give you like an oh yeah glad you called in we have something for you at da 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 it's from two to four be there bring this you know bring your bring your book bring your thing you're like oh you have a job at three so every time we left our house my mom had a gigantic bag ziploc bag full of quarters she could call the. she walked around in this big old bag with a portfolio with socks and sneakers and hair ties and anything I could possibly need if I had a job because that's kind of how it worked I would do these little modeling jobs and then I would just have to be ready now it's gotten so much better and so much easier that people have cell phones and it's but it was it was you really it was harder and then um I had I learned how to, I mean, I was singing already, but I really learned how to properly sing these summers that I went to New York. So I went to New York in the summer from the time I was six till I was nine years old. And I got that job at Radio City Music Hall. And then I had to live in New York full time and go to school in New York because the show was during the fall and winter. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I was just going in the summer times from the age of six to nine years old, I was training with different singing teachers and dance teachers and different people uh there and they were you know my mom couldn't afford to pay for these lessons and so you know we were just hoping oh yay i hope i get a modeling job and that modeling wow. job can cover the cost of this or yeah, yeah. you oh, know wow. it's like do we do a voice lesson or do we do dinner <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> wow. um And so, yeah. And, you know, my father was in Kentucky and my Mm -hmm. parents had, they had started a business together a number of years before and they have an entrepreneurial spirit, Mm
2: -hmm. definitely for Mm -hmm. sure.
3: But my father had to worry about too, you know, and so there was, you know, while, while they could support somehow my career, a lot of the money that I made as a young actor all went back into being able to support support it. And so, you know, um, I know. It's just I did eight shows a week when I was 10 years old. Mm. Um, you uh, know, it's funny. While it
0: what's funny is you were talking about earlier about the bag of quarters. I can remember <laughs> um, about 15, 17 years ago, we had um, a training to do in Boston and we knew about the tolls in New York. So we, so we gathered up $10 of coins and thought that will be fine. I remember we, <laughs> we pull up to the very first toll and it was seven bucks and I was like, okay, $10. Ain't gonna- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It
3: ain't is crazy. So I just moved from California to, uh, to a farm in New Jersey, an hour away from the city. Uh, And um, and I went into the city for the first time uh, like two months ago. Uh, and I think it was like 20 bucks to go through the tunnel. I was like, What? How is it this expensive? And I was like, I do not have this cash on me. I put, I rolled up and I was like, Do you take credit cards? (laughs) <laughs> no we don't take credit cards uh, he was like but we have your license plate we'll send you a ticket <laughs> i was like okay wow. <laughs> but, <laughs> well i guess they give you like a month to
2: to, to send in license. the toll
3: yeah. but yeah i mean it's insane and new york is so expensive and for yeah. you know people who were from kentucky it's and and everything i think and like she's
2: from kentucky yes oh,
3: I'm, yeah. I'm from kentucky too where are you from a uh, Pikeville
1: area, oh, in the Kyle. eastern side of the state, Pike
3: yeah, County. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, you know, it's it's a culture shock. Yes. Uh, from from Kentucky to New York in every way. Right. Like I think there was that that was a learning curve for mm-hmm. us, and then there was the financial learning curve, and then there was the show business learning curve, wow. and
2: right. there was
3: just a lot to learn you know and I definitely think that I'm so grateful for the experience Mm
2: -hmm.
3: um in so many ways like I'm grateful for the hustle and the hard knocks um and I'm I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to see my eyes were opened and my mind was open when it came to people living in different yeah. ways and different races and, yeah. uh, you know, just understanding more about different cultures in New York city where it's a, it really is a true melting pot. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was it probably so also so helped amazing.
0: your characters that you play, too, because, you know, a lot of the roles I bet you you're like, oh, I live this.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you need me to play a New Yorker. I can play a New Yorker. I can totally do the accent, whatever you need me to do. And I can do a lot of accents because I re- experienced a lot of. Uh, I was a mimic as a kid. I think that was really part of it too—is just learn. Like, really, I was an observer. I would listen and I would take it all in and then regurgitate it. Oh my gosh, I remember we went—we came home from Kentucky. I'm sorry, came home from New York, and we were back in Kentucky after I was six years old. The summer I was six years old, and my mom had people over to dinner and i came downstairs and i had like garbage bags on and i had covered my face and all of her brown eyeshadow and i had a cup and i was shaking it with change and i <laughs> i was asking for change like oh my it's kind of messed up it's actually really messed up but like that's what i saw so i was yeah. asking the guests of her dinner party for change <laughs> you know i mean it's wow. just like, you see these things you're 6 years old you just right. do, you, you know like that's
0: like our 2 year old um little Caitlin. anything we do she has to oh, copy yes
1: anything yes anything she sees us do right now she's in that face and our
0: nine-year-old, which you'll hear from him later because we bring him on to ask a few questions.
3: You know, when he was her
0: age, he did the exact same thing. It was like, man, we got to be careful what we do and say. Oh
3: yeah. yeah. My son is two and I'm just starting to see he's he's literally repeating everything I say. So I haven't had to really watch my mouth, <laughs> but now I have to. <laughs>
0: so are your thoughts of your son going into showbiz?
3: No, you know, I think, here's the thing. I am so grateful for the career that I have and I'm so grateful. It made a lot of sense that, you know, I believe you pick your parents before you come into this life. And (laughs) I I picked my mom. I picked someone who was gonna hustle and pound the pavement and wanted her daughter to be in show business because Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that I had, I have the mind and the brain for that type of I'm, you know, yeah. Built, yeah. built to be a performer. Wired for that. But, but I also want my son to have more choices and, you know, have to go to summer camp and to, you know, um, you know, there were some things in my childhood I didn't get to have because I uh, was working literally.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, I remember being, you know, eight years old and, um, doing a uh, a modeling job in New York city in 90 degree heat and humidity in central park
2: wow. in
3: wow. a winter coat, you know, and it, it was like, and all these kids are running in the sprinkler and I'm like, it's a hard, not life. <laughs> uh-huh. It was like, you know, so I, here's the thing. I love if my son wants to be creative, yeah. if he yeah. wants to, you know, you know, paint and draw and sing and dance, and we can well, do now shows you can be a YouTube
0: star and never leave your house.
3: I know that's true, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I I think um I will never put him in the business until he's at an age where he can literally come and yeah. say to me, "Hey, mom, yeah. this is what I want to do." Um, uh, yeah. and I do believe that people who start young have a leg up. You see yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And with but parents' I, backing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's a lot of sweat equity those parents put into it. You look at Taylor Swift, that was all her mom and her parents yep. in the beginning. It was. And yes. um yes. and then at some point she shifted and she took the, the reins. And you see that shift too. You
2: know, mm-hmm. you see the
3: shift to what was created for her
2: and mm-hmm. then what mm-hmm. she
3: then took and created upon. And yes. I used to see that with a lot of but uh, people who start young and then go beyond like Justin Timberlake, you see that he did that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, but, and you see that Jessica Beale, his wife did the same. They were both child actors. There's- Jessica and I oh, were right. friends, friends as kids. And um, you know, you see that, you see that shift happen. I think there's something so valuable about life experience. There's something that's so valuable about being able to make your, your mistakes, not in the public eye, yeah. So when you look at yeah. your teenage years and your early 20s. Look at,
0: look at Britney. I mean, you know, such great talent. And she, but yet she had so much fame so quick.
1: Yeah. yeah so and,
0: and then she just had the breakdown. And it's like she could have done that without the public eye. And she'd have probably been a whole different person right mm-hmm. now.
3: Totally. I think that's true. I don't know if you know this. Um, Britney Spears was my understudy. Oh, when wow. I, when oh, I did a awesome. show when I was 10 in New York and um and so i was friendly with her and we were friendly with her her mom and um and she's a very sweet girl kind of soft spoken mm-hmm. uh, kind mm-hmm. of shy um from louisiana you know she was she was just sweet and um and i didn't find her outspoken whatsoever
0: yeah
3: and yeah. i was a little spaz and i was a little outspoken so um I, after she left Natalie Portman was my understudy and Natalie's a little outspoken and we connected a bit more than Brittany and I, but Brittany and I, Brittany was very sweet and Mm -hmm. I think I've thought a lot about her. I feel, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. because, Again, that whole, cr- you know, she, she had this beautiful, strong belt voice and even her mm-hmm. voice was mm-hmm. changed. You know, like that a lot mm-hmm. of that glottal fry that was used in her singing. And
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, a whole brand was created that was Britney Spears. And she had so so many people were obsessed with her and interested in her. She had no privacy right in wow. the time where we're supposed to be learning from our mistakes. That's what mm-hmm, life is mm-hmm. about. Life is about right. taking risks, making mistakes, and learning from those mistakes. And if you can't make mistakes in private, yes. how are you, number one, supposed to grow? And how are you supposed to cope? And how do you not go crazy?
0: Because you she just, had no time to cope.
3: Yeah. Right, she had, she had no time. privacy, no, no, nothing. So. um you know i think the breakdown probably had to do with the fact that she didn't have the space
2: mm-hmm.
3: and mm-hmm. the anonymity and the privacy yeah. Yeah. to become a woman right you know because i and can't it, imagine that i can't imagine that either yeah <laughs> no we all can, can't imagine it like literally if you wanted to like hey let's go let's go to the you know the the mall today? No, nope, yeah. can't. Let's go to a restaurant today. No, hey, let's go to church. You're not going to even be able to go to church without people walking up to you want to take a picture. Like, there's not even the spiritual. There's like the respect for your spiritual process. Yeah. Like that, that's not even there. Like she, she was famous all over the world. There was nowhere to hide.
2: That's like we had Brian
0: Littrell from the Backstreet Boys on last week.
3: And yes. he talked about
0: that, too, that when the Backstreet Boys blew up and he said and he said at first he was frustrated because he said they, they blew up overseas. first, yeah, of Europe, course. Germany. So they'd come back here and nobody knew who they was. And he was and he said that at first he thought that was a negative. But then he's like, oh, no, this is actually good. This is my break. Yeah. But then all of a sudden. They blew up here and he said, not only did they have no more privacy, they couldn't go nowhere. He says that his fiance at the time, which became his wife, ended up getting death threats, uh, you know, from people and they had to, um, and they had
1: to hide hide, it. They couldn't have any girlfriends or wives. And and, and 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 he said, it just
0: becomes so, he said, we blew up so fast, so quick that we, we no no us knew what to do. Yeah. And it's sad that That that's what happens out there.
3: But it is, it is the, you know, it's like, uh, it's like you hear like in the, in the Bible, do not uh, worship false gods and false Uh, idols and mm -hmm. right. But that's exactly what it was literally called American idol, right? Like that's (laughs) what the pop industry is generating they're generating Mm -hmm. these like little mini gods and these idols and, um,
0: and social media (laughs) add to that. Oh
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Social media is, you know, Hey, follow me, get likes. I have a song on my, on my latest album called digital disease. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's all
3: about our obsession with social media and our, our need to be liked by people who don't even know us or know anything about us. And then, we and then we go and shop ourselves, and and we, you know, we change ourselves trying to fit into a mold
2: um, mm-hmm. that
3: that that we think that people will like us better, and it has nothing to do, you know, real connection, real human connection
2: is like all Charlotte's about.
3: Oh, they think they're going to marry these celebs. I don't know. Oh yeah, they come do. The, oh, I see what the you're fans. saying. Yeah, yeah. About the yeah. Fans. Uh, yeah, the fans. Some of the girls yeah, probably fans. Right with, the, <laughs>
1: with the boy bad guys, especially. Yeah, they're like, I'm going
3: to marry yeah. them. I've had some. I've had some pretty crazy things. I've had people tattoo pictures of me on themselves.
2: Oh wow! Oh, wow.
3: You know, you know when you go. I don't know if that's a compliment or if I should be scared of surreal. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, wow, um, that's got to be surreal. But the thing is, is that behind the curtain, which is interesting that your show is all about what's behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. The, curtain the people that you follow are different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have real problems and real struggles and they mm-hmm. probably have real wrinkles and they probably, you know, <laughs> health issues and all kinds of things that they or don't as- share. Yeah, right,
1: because right. all about perception out there in the public eye. Yeah,
0: you know, you got to yeah. be this good, just like you know, we're hardcore people that go to church a lot, but you see that at church too. It's like people come to church and how are you doing? Oh, I'm great, you know, you got that you, you yeah. live this, you live in Perfectly. this mask society, unintended, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, and um, and it, it's like. Are you ever going to pull the mask off and tell the truth? Because I actually got put down recently Because on my Facebook page. I tell what feelings that I go through trying to build this show because it's yeah. tough, you know, being in right. showbiz you know, like you're this. trying
1: to be honest. And okay. I had
0: someone private message me and said, you know, oh, you shouldn't be saying this and saying that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm raw, And I want people to know. Plus, I, I want people to also know, too, it's kind of my journal to where when we do make it as a Bobby Bones show, a Ty Bentley show, Kelly Clarkson show one day, we'll be able to look back and say, see, I went through all that. I just showed it on Facebook.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's all about authenticity, too. Like, yeah, you know, when we, can, when we make true connection with people, um, true connection, true connection is not changing and shape shifting to get likes on Instagram. Yeah. True true connection is about showing ourselves and being seen with all our flaws and being accepted by another person. And it's about authenticity. We connect as human beings through shared pain. Through yep, stories yeah. of shared pain. Damn. We do not connect like my life is so great. We don't connect <laughs> like that. That's yeah. not how we connect I love we, that you said shared we connect pain through
0: to, I said that we recently to somebody. I actually said yeah. that I can't remember who, but I was talking to somebody on the phone and I was like, you know, true, con- you know, you can connect for a little while on shared vision, but you really connect on shared pain.
3: hmm. And, you know, a friend when you've had to go through battle together, mm, like, yes. you know, a friend. Mm-hmm. When you see how they handle themselves in a stressful situation, and you can also know a friend when you've had a problem with that friend and how that friend then handles the problem you've had with them
2: mm-hmm. if the,
3: the friend is really super defensive and tells you it's your fault, that's probably not a friend to have well, right And
0: you know that's a like, friend
3: is like, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, I understand how you feel Exactly. if I made these changes would that help you or I don't understand I didn't mean to do that you know ever. but like not listening to someone and being defensive and blaming you know that's not you, friendship
0: you know that's like I went through 19 years of addictions uh, and um The first five years of our marriage, I was still in the middle of those addictions with and, you know, she Sandy never put me down, never nagged, never did any of that. She loved me in spite of the, the addictions. And sometimes when we tell the story, people are like, oh, you let you know, she let you walk over her like, no, that's not what she did. She allowed me to experience God's love through her. And I really believe if she didn't allow that with her pure heart, I would probably be dead today. We definitely wouldn't have our kids.
3: Right, it's interesting, Um, and
0: and she she's been that rock for me when I couldn't be strong. And now together, you know, eighteen years married, so you know we made it through that. But that's given us a story.
3: It has brought us closer together. Yeah, and and how amazing, Sandy, that you could love him through that and have belief that uh, enough belief that he could make those changes and feel safe enough to live life. Without a substance, um, and that's really amazing.
0: And been sober thirteen years now. Yeah,
3: so. that's incredible. Doing well. Congratulations. So it's, and
0: it's just one of those things where, um, you know, I wouldn't change. My 19 years of addictions because it made me who I am today. You know, I wouldn't be emotional, and you know, I could out cry in a Hallmark commercial. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, I, and I truly believe that if you took away the addictions, I probably wouldn't be that kind of guy. I have no issue with that. Cause I don't have an issue with that. You know, I I've been called names, but I don't care. You know, I've been an outcast all my life anyway. So what's what's you know, it doesn't matter.
3: <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, I think we get confused about God's love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that it's right. reserved for people who can achieve perfection. And that's and it's not the other way. what it's, it's about. Not. It's the opposite. And, you know, Opposition. here's the other thing that's interesting is I've always believed that compassion is gained through experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, experiences that really don't go well for us. We have compassion for other human beings Mm
2: -hmm. and
3: it's hard to have compassion when we, when we don't struggle or Mm -hmm. because we don't understand what it's like for other people to struggle and we can't relate. So like for you, Chris, you would be someone that who, if someone was really going through a struggle um, and maybe even addiction or whatever, uh, because you've had that experience, you're going to get through to that person Mm. much deeper than someone who has never lived that before. Um, That's so, these things are valuable. You know, your life is a lesson now. And, um, and Sandy, it's so amazing that uh, I think you, you know, that is really how you are supposed to love. You're supposed to love through it. You know, there's, there's, there's points of tough love, of course, yeah, right. right. I mean, so I never
0: hit her and I never it. cheated. So you right. know, I didn't We're cross right. the They're big lost. lines, but right. I crossed lines, but I didn't cheat yeah. and I didn't hit her. So yeah. I, 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 if I didn't know, she'd have probably left. But Absolutely. outside of that, I crossed a lot of lines in those first years because of the addictions. And and again, 95 percent of women would have left Um mm. and she didn't. And she just knew. In fact, she's kind of jokes with me now. She's like, now we're starting to grow as a show and things yeah. are coming out. She goes, you better not be one of these men. You get success because, you know, That'll Like be- I remember a quote recently said the hard part for a woman is to go through a relationship when there's nothing. The hard part for a man is to go through a relationship after there's everything. And we were like, oh, (laughs) you know, because women don't want to stay if it don't look like there's hope. Men don't want a lot of times. Don't want to stay once they've made it. (laughs) But when I heard that quote, I was like, and I thought about people I know and thought about relationships that Mm -hmm. end. I'm like, that "That is almost I mean, again, there's always exceptions, but that's pretty close to accurate. It
3: is. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I think at least in a lot of my my relationship. uh there's a, well, and I've heard this quote too.
2: Mm.
3: Men, when they meet a woman, they never want her to change. They want her to be just like they were when they met. Uh. Women meet a man, and they're like, and they, want to change everything. they, they change everything. have made the decision about who this man could be. And, <laughs> Yes. are committed to the vision of who he could be someday. Yes. And I, I have found that I'm often that in a relationship, believing in the possibilities.
0: Thank God she did though.
3: Right. Yes. It's hard <laughs> though. Cause you know, some <laughs> people would say different. you need to, you need to just see it for what it is, you know? Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Now, if we were just dating, it would probably be different. But yes. See, But we were married, so it kind of locked us in a little more to where she was probably willing to take it a little longer. um, But I'm so thankful that God woke me up enough to say, you know, because I'll never forget the day, you know, December 26, 2007, when I woke up for the first time feeling like, wow, I got drunk on Christmas Day. And I've never done that before. And even as a Christian, even though I was doing you know, addiction because some people are like, oh, you can't be a Christian and be addicted. And I'm like, well, you just don't know. M- m- many Christians <laughs> are addicted out there. They, you, they, many you are. And, uh, Most are. Yeah. Well, and I went yes. through that. And it's like, um, I remember that morning, it was like, I pleaded with God, say, look, you either heal me from the, take the desire of this away. Or take my life because I'm like, you know what? I've had it. I can't go no longer. I'm destroying her. And I seen that. And I really felt like he says, I'm healing you. Give me 30 days. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "Okay, now I'm going crazy. I'm here. I'm hearing things, you know, I'm like. And then my next thought is, "Okay, if it's God nudging me on this, you're God. Why do you need 30 days? (laughs) And and, 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 and it's like, why can't you do it now? And now, but you know, the more you read the Bible, the more you realize every miracle was preceded by uh, obedience for some form of obedience. And my form of obedience was to stay sober those 30 days and he would heal me rest of my life. And I've had zero desires. I've had zero desire, zero. I don't do this day by day. It's zero. And and it's just one well, of the, the day, and, and, and I'll be honest, I sometimes you feel guilty because you got friends that are taking it day by day and they struggle and it, yes. they fall and I and, and and I sometimes I feel guilty, and then I feel like God says, look, your story's going to be told. There's a reason. Because again, and now we got this show to where I get to talk about a little bit of this story from time to time with certain guests, and and we're trying to write a book and all that on our story. So now I'm starting to re- put pieces together and say, oh, uh, okay, there's a yeah, reason sense that I was healed in this way. Because I tell people, look, I'm not saying you'll be healed the way I did. Was, <laughs> you know, I just know that what I felt and what happened, and that's all I know.
3: Well, it's also belief, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Belief. Belief carries more weight than any amount of money.
2: True.
3: You know, belief is huge. I think, or talent. Belief, you know, when it comes to, you know, who's making it, who's not. And sometimes you look at people and you're like, how's this person made it? And this person hasn't. I think it comes (laughs) down to (laughs) to belief comes down to belief
0: because there's a lot of artists that should make it and you're like
3: (laughs) yep it's self-doubt doubt doubt creeping in self-doubt fear um but belief Mm -hmm. in holding true to that belief and here you were and you believed uh you believe this and then you and it wasn't just believing it was knowing Mm
2: -hmm. and Mm -hmm.
3: that and that transforms you
2: Now, later
0: down the road, she told me that when I first told her, "Okay, that's it. God told me I'm (laughs) healed. No more alcohol, drugs, any of that. She's like still my cheerleader. She was still saying, yeah, we can do this together and all that. But she said told me like a year later, I think it was. And she said in the back of my mind, I didn't believe it.
3: Of course. I heard it so many times. I mean. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, it's kind of the cry wolf, like at, at least yes. exactly what Charlotte said, it is faith. But I think I think, too, it's like you have to Sandy probably had to prepare herself like as a, you know, to I yeah. need to be able to be prepared for this. Not okay. to okay. love him yeah. and mm-hmm. not feel like he has to be this in order, you know, I and mean, then that's hard. It's really hard when you are supporting someone who who has struggled with substance or any sort of addiction. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and they're all over the gamut in terms of what addiction can, you know, there are people that go from substance abuse addictions to being addicted to working out or addicted to food or addicted yep, that's to, true. you know I mean, We have right. to kind and of just adjust addiction. those, Transfer yeah. And I, I've, right. I've known quite a few people who have transferred addiction. And unfortunately they've made themselves healthier um but it's almost an obsession with this new thing and yeah. um, and i yeah and it's it's something about like i think lately i it is pouring down rain by the way i don't know if you can hear it is pouring down rain outside yesterday <laughs> <of, laughs> <suddenly, laughs> it is <laughs> and, um but uh, yeah, I think we get the weather. We get the weather you had the next day. We probably t- t- <laughs> <Yeah. had it. laughs> yeah. move there now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but what were we saying? Oh yeah, trans- <laughs> the transfer of addiction. But I think there is something there too of like trust, because when you tra- when you transfer to one thing, you're still trying to do something right, yeah. as opposed yeah. to just trusting. And that's something that I've been feeling like needs to shift in my life
2: mm-hmm. is that
3: I've been in a place of doership where I'm doing where I'm in control yeah and yeah. I've got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this and if I if all those things aren't done then this thing that I want isn't gonna happen yeah. and then I think about well that's never how anything's worked for me <laughs> like if I really think <laughs> about it I have to get out of the way. And I have to just be, and I have to trust. And so I'm starting to begin to make a shift in my life where the busyness and the doing of things and the pushing and the hustling is transforming into inner knowing and trust and allowing myself to be. And some of those things are coming up for me, I think, because I'm a mom now and I don't want. To spend all of my time hustling and going and going. I want to spend some time with my child being present and observing and connecting and then just allowing the other things in my career to blossom and evolve without me having to control every aspect of it. You know, because
0: controlling things is like um it's it's like an addiction in itself. It's like you have to have control of of everything, yes. and then when you don't, yes. you feel withdrawals. <laughs> you yeah. know, just yes. like in a, and, a, and then it's like if you have to control everything, all it takes is one little thing to go wrong, and then it dominoes. Oh
1: yes.
3: Like, oh, I know. And then you're in a and then you're in some sort of like a shame <laughs> spiral, and then you pick up the <laughs> bottle of wine, and then <laughs> <laughs>
2: you
3: know, and then it's and then it's a whole and then it's a whole thing, but. Yeah, I think that's it's definitely and I think you know too we talked a lot about me you know when I was a child actor pounding the pavement mm-hmm. in New York and I've been doing that
0: all your
1: for life
3: 34 years wow I'm ready to retire. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm in that place where I'm like okay. All right. Yes. I just want to be inspired and to, and of course, yes, we all have to, you know, I think we get, we all have to make money. We all have to support and provide for our families. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is obviously a part of it. And there has to be hustle to do that. But there's, there is also a, you also have to allow things to be, I remember Reba McIntyre telling me once, and I should have listened better to her. She's a <laughs> wise lady. Yes. I, f- I feel like we were at, like at a bar at the ACM awards or something. Um, oh, wow. And uh, this is what happens during that week. Everybody goes to Vegas and the performing is happening. Yeah. And they're, they're outside in the little casino bar chatting. And she just said to me something like, I used to get really antsy during the down times. I mm-hmm. feel like I had to be doing something and making things happen and fighting the fight. And and she's like, I've come to realize I should have just allowed myself to enjoy my life in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Those were gifts to me that I saw as the opposite.
1: Yeah. And
3: I oh, wow. was like, you know what, girl? He's so right. You know, nice and I advice, see her now, yeah. like posting pictures of herself, like on a ranch in Montana with her new boyfriend, and I'm like, you get it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy your downtime. You enjoy yes. your.
0: <laughs> I love awesome. That. Now, as you know, a lot of people they see the artist, the actor, but mm-hmm. they don't see the team behind them. And in our opinion, they never get the love they deserve. They don't. So, if you don't take a few moments just to tell us about the team that helps you be who you are,
3: about my team. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I have a I have an awesome awesome team. Um, on the forefront of my team. Is uh, my agent, uh, Julie Colbert at uh, WME, and my mm-hmm. management at Haven, um, Brady Mackay and Amy Slomovitz, and uh, Rachel Miller, who I, Rachel Miller, who's been amazing and has helped me um, great, get amazing opportunities as a writer and a yeah. director. And, but my songwriting team. Uh, I used to, and I still do, write with a lot of different songwriters and different Mm -hmm. producers, but I now have a tight number of people I really love working with that I know that the magic happens with, and I like to work with them over and over again. Um, And for this latest project, Uh, there's a a guy named jeremy edelman who we met when i was doing heart of dixie he did the music for heart of dixie and they always had me sing on the show so i kept going to his studio and going to his studio and we started i started to be like have you ever thought about doing this and he was like yeah could you sing on this for me and and so we started writing together and uh composing together and creating fun little things together and we did this album that i just did and then my uh, my newest addition to that songwriting team is my friend Shay Carter, who has become my best female friend, like a female soulmate to me. Oh, um,
2: wow.
3: And we have a podcast together. We have Women of Tomorrow yeah. together. And our producer for that is Alan Seals, who's incredible and um, reminding me to get on Chrome for my stream, StreamYard. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, And so, uh, so yeah. And then I, and for my social media, I have, uh, my cousin, (laughs) my cousin, Addie, who helps me just make sure I've got everything in alignment when we have a podcast coming out or when we have, um, uh, album stuff coming out. Um, one RPM is my label. I work with an amazing girl there named Julia McLeod. Um, I've been working with, Uh, the team over at B squared two for placing songs on playlists and um, doing all kinds of things. And I have a wonderful young woman named Kelly Wilson who uh, is on my, team in terms of I teach some master classes and I also have when I have auditions I go over lines with her and I also go with Addie. So yeah, there's so many people behind the scenes. So many people. It's so big. And then I guess the biggest person in my life is my husband. Um, Um, can't
0: forget him. Yeah,
3: Yeah. because you know he puts up with a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and he is he's really great. Like if I want to share ideas with him creatively. Um, we we spar back and forth on those, and oh, wow. um, and he's very supportive, and um and yeah. So uh, I'm sure I left someone out. Oh, my amazing uh, publicist Samantha Goldstein. <laughs> so it just you know the list goes on, and it's really important to have those people yeah. mm-hmm. who are in your life. Um, I have another woman, young woman named Jasmine Warner, who's just come on to my podcast
2: no because real. we do a
3: lot of history research
2: mm-hmm. and oh, so yeah. we
3: want to make sure that all of our stuff is historically accurate. And we're, you know, it's so nice. there's, there's just a, a mountain of, a mountain of people on the team. You know, speaking
0: they, of teams,
3: mm-hmm, we have a yes. third co-host. We do.
0: Our nine-year-old. nine-year-old
3: you have a what? I missed it. So
0: Sandy's going to go get him real quick and we got a two-year-old daughter that when she gets older she'll be plugged into the show too and so while we are waiting for him to come tell us a little about
3: your podcast um hold on one second I just want to I just have to send a note because I'm running late for something okay um (laughs) my my podcast is called women of tomorrow it's a companion to the album, Women of Tomorrow, that came out on May 7th, which you can get everywhere, iTunes, Spotify. And we delve into different issues that women are facing today, um, whether that be you know, equal pay, unattainable beauty standards, domestic violence, well, that goes on. And, uh, and the podcast, um, we dive deeper into those issues. We talk about the history of those issues and we have oh, no. a guest come on who is an expert on oh, um, cool. the different topics that we're talking about. And then we figure out solutions of moving forward. So it's cool. I think it's, it's actually amazing if men would listen to it. So it's identifying the problem
0: it, and coming up with a solution. I like the solution. Exactly.
3: Part. Exactly. exactly. Everybody
0: identifies problems, but nobody talks about how do we handle it?
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. And it it is, that's a discussion and everybody has different opinions on it. But I think a lot of it is being, being able to truly understand the history of these issues Mm -hmm. that they've evolved over time. And then also being able to see that we see it through a really personal lens. Like I can, I can look at it equal pay as a problem because I can literally see my paycheck is less than that other male male I'm working with. And so now we talk about why do we have this? Yeah. You know, so that makes sense. Hi uh, uh, hi Laura Bell Bunny. So what's your favorite food? Um fried chicken. Mm. <laughs> <Yum>. <laughs>
0: and, and what's yours?
3: Mine is pizza. Yeah, awesome. I hey. love pizza too.
0: You can eat it all day long.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, so uh what what's your favorite TV show? Oh, well, that's changing all the time because I'm discovering <laughs> new things. But I guess I really love this show. Do you hear the thunder?
2: Yeah, hear I thunder. heard that.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. My favorite show right now is Succession. I love that show. I uh, also love this show called The Boys, mm-hmm. which is on Amazon, which is about superheroes and superhero villains. And Mm -hmm. um, I never really was into that stuff, but I think this show is so funny. Mm -hmm. What's yours? My mind is Spongebob. Oh, awesome! Yes, Yes. okay, so uh, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is The Sound of Music. And yours? Mine is the main movie. What's yours? Oh, yeah, awesome. Yes.
0: (laughs) All (laughs) right.
3: Bye. Thanks. Bye.
0: And I'll let Sandy ask the last question and then we'll let you go. To-
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> but he loves doing that part. He does. And we lo- we're excited to have him part of the show too. We are. So cute. Cute.
2: All
1: right. I'll close out. Uh What would you like your legacy to be? What would you ultimately like to be known and remembered for? Hmm.
3: <laughs> Um I think um hmm.
0: <laughs> She gets the she gets the deep one.
3: Yeah, the
1: tough question at the end.
3: Yeah, you know, I think it has to be- I heard that. <laughs> oh, I heard that one. Wow.
0: That was loud. That was. Uh-
3: You know, a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is about educating mm-hmm. and empowering women. Yeah, and I hope at the end of the day that m- my work is um, is about shedding light on what is unseen, and um,
2: and Love that.
3: connecting connecting through understanding. I hope that I. You know, I mean, really, my job is to be a conduit
2: mm. and
3: yeah. to get ideas from a higher source and then bring them into the universe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I hope that I can do that properly. Awesome! So awesome. tell hope everybody that I can bring forth understanding and connection.
0: Awesome! Oh, I love that. So tell everybody how they can reach out to you.
3: So I'm on uh, all social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok. <laughs> I laugh because <laughs> I'm like way too old for TikTok. Um, we got a TikTok. But used it. Never used it. <laughs> I do use it, um, but, I, <laughs> but I, I don't take it too seriously. Um, it's at Laura Bell Bundy for everything. And, um, and I'm pretty active on Instagram and I do respond to people. And, oh, well. uh, and I'll respond to people on Facebook too, but I'm the most ac- active on Instagram.
0: Okay. Love that. You know, we really enjoyed having you on the show we today did. and we look forward to having you back down the road.
3: I, I definitely look forward to that. And I have really enjoyed this nice in-depth, real conversation.
0: Our pleasure. Oh,
1: thanks so much.
0: You have a great day.
1: Yes.